You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me back in the studio is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, great to be back, and uh, it's great to be back in the studio as well. Yeah. Do you know why it's extra good to be back this week, Justin? Um, Because the Eagles won? No, it has nothing to do with (laughs) professional football, and certainly after yesterday, nothing to do at college football I just wanted to get that, that, yeah, I wasn't going to bring up the college football, but I figured (laughs) I'd bring up the professional football today, because like I mentioned after week one, I wasn't sure how many times I'd get to bring that up this year. Right, so, So, um, no, obviously we love doing this show after a victory. Um, yes, which is yes. always that, a huge, huge positive. Yeah. But not only are we doing the show after a victory, we're doing the show after two victories in a row, yeah. which is crazy a, enough the first time that's happened this year. It's a, it's a win streak. It's a winning streak, <laughs> right? And hopefully the winning streak will continue as the Bulldogs try to make it three in a row this coming Friday evening down in Lebanon against Cedar Crest. And we will have a lot more about the Falcons towards the end of the show. And as you mentioned beforehand, with the result in Landisville on Friday night, the preview of the Falcons is a little bit more uh, interesting than maybe we thought it would be a week ago. Yeah, so, you know, you, you start to get this idea of where things might be. Now, that being said, like you, you've been preaching for a couple weeks now that like you take a look at scores around the district and at a lot of levels, but especially at 6A, and man, like you, it is really tough to figure out what's going to happen from one week to the next. Um, all over the place. You know, you, we like to talk about that transitive property and like it just isn't, it. you know, it, it certainly isn't how sports works, but like, man, you look at some of these all the time, like we, like you mentioned last week, we beat Penn Manor. Penn Manor beat Warwick. Warwick beat Mannheim Central. Mannheim right. Central beat us. Like it, 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 it doesn't. It just it, goes around like it's crazy. But there are crazy examples all over the place. And maybe it's not a crazy example. Maybe I just you know. But it it wouldn't necessarily have been what I was expecting going in. But you never know. And Cedar Crest beat Hemfield on Friday right. night. And um, you know, and I saw. The, the one thing I saw, and I, I forget, it might have been Andy that was mentioning it, but it could have been someone else that was just saying, like, Cedar Crest, you know, likes to take on the doubters. <laughs> you know, like, they use that for fuel. And, I, hey, it worked on Friday night because I, I would imagine, you know, we weren't really focusing on that game, but I would imagine that a lot of people thought Hempfield would win that game, and Cedar Crest had something to say about it. That was the expectation. Um, but Rob Dass and his crew got things going, and it was a superb game from dual starter Aiden Richards. But again, we'll, we'll get to Cedar yeah. Crest at the end. First, we want to talk about 
the game against McCaskey and all of the events that were happening Friday night. It was a very busy night. The football game was just one of multiple things happening. Big at crowd. Kursky. Big crowd. A on Friday nice night. crowd. And obviously all the events that were happening um, in addition to the football game played a role in that. But as always, before we dive into the football talk, which let's thank our sponsors and start with um, my dad, Bill Mays and my Mays Sandwich Shop for the presenting sponsorship of the show. Uh, since we started this way back in 2015. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Uh, here we are. A long time ago. You know, <laughs> over over six years ago and now on our seventh season. But we do appreciate all of the help that we get from everyone. May Sandwich Shop and our newest sponsor now on to our third week with MikeDragosports.com. And uh, we hope everyone has been enjoying the content on that new site from... Mike Drago and a variety of people contributing to that side, including me. I've been giving Mike pictures, yes. yeah, yeah, and um, I'm going to take some pictures of the Kutztown game this coming Saturday evening. And speaking of Kutztown, Mason McElroy, oh, career huge best game, game huge for game. Kutztown, who improved to I think four and one on the season. I think so. I think so. And they have a couple big wins, including one over Shepard, I think, who was ranked at the time, and yeah. Uh, Kutztown off to a good good first part of the season. Uh, and Mason uh, contributing and really had a huge game on Saturday, which is awesome. And not only will I be get, get to see Mason McElroy and Kutztown at Kutztown at Andre Stadium this Saturday night, kickoff 5 o'clock, but they're playing Shippensburg hey. and uh, Isaiah Gilmore, a member of the Shippensburg football team. So I hope to uh, see a bunch of... Uh, not only Wilson players, but the the family and friends out to uh, watch the guys play. It'll be a lot of fun. I, it, uh, four years ago, I got to see uh, Kutztown play Stroudsburg and Mason and, and Isaiah Regal. So this time, uh, I'm going to do Kutztown and Shippensburg. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a lot of fun to cover some form of Bulldogs uh, lacing it up in the PSAC. So again, a few of our other sponsors we want to thank besides... Uh, May Sandwich Shop and MikeDragosports.com is CNS Supply Company, Andy Herr and Marty Palm, and our three anonymous donors. We appreciate everything you do to help us here at the show. And besides the sponsorships and advertising, the in-kind donations, and the website, BulldogHour.com, you can also help us out in Justin's favorite capacity. Yeah, like and share. You know, you see stuff you like, you hear stuff you like, uh, spread the word. I do not have a slide for the next show because, as you're aware, Justin, as we've discussed what's going to happen, I have no idea if or when the show will happen next weekend because there's a lot of things going on. Like I said, I'll be Saturday, I'll be up in Kutztown for the college game, so we can't do it Saturday. And Sunday, I will be out of town, so we're not able to do it at a normal time slot. We talked about maybe doing a condensed, abbreviated version live Friday after the game. Obviously, there's some factors outside of our control if we can or want to do that. Right. Uh, we'll see what happens. So, um, you know, if, if Wilson gets the victory, maybe Justin and I will hop on real quick and do kind of a, a, a mini Bulldog Hour Friday night. We'll see how the spirits are, how the weather is and the like, but it certainly won't be in the same manner that we do the shows now. Don't have that kind of equipment. It'll literally probably be from my cell phone. <laughs> so, you know... It also won't be able to go for that long of a duration, not on Wi-Fi. So we'll see what happens. I don't want to miss a week, especially because we'll be previewing a game against Hempfield. Um, 
which is one that we've been looking forward to since the season began. Yeah, so so the the plan is still uh we're we're still ironing out the plan for next weekend, but we'll come up with something. You'll just have to tune in like next weekend through the social media stuff to and be be uh keep in touch with what's that's going what what's going on there. And and you know, maybe maybe for some of those some of you uh that are there, uh maybe you can Maybe, maybe we can get a crowd in the background. I was gonna say maybe they could like watch it like live <laughs> watch on the way home. While as long as it's someone else is driving. Yeah, like, as long as you're not the one driving. Yeah. Um, this, this is a good time to remind you and the things that we just said. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to the social accounts. You know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us on Twitch. That you have to go to the Joe Mays and J Raff Show page on Twitch, but we're on there. But check out the YouTube Wilson Bulldogs Football. Follow Wilson Bulldogs Football. Wilson Bulldogs Bulldog Hour. Coach Joe Mays. Mr. Underscore Raffoff, uh, you know, a variety of those accounts to make sure you always get access to what we're doing. And like I said, next week will be a little bit different for the Bulldog Hour uh, just because of the schedule. We don't want to miss a week, so we're going to try to do something, and it may be live from, uh, what is it, Earl Bolt's Stadium. I think that's Cedarcrest Stadium. Yes. I, I, <laughs> sure, why not? I know it's next to the VA hospital. That, that's yes, it is. Much, Absolutely, yes, it is. So uh, we, we mentioned it. At the top of the show, but it was a huge night at Gursky Stadium Friday. Yes, yes. You know, not only was Wilson welcoming in uh, McCaskey for the football game, but there were four other things happening, three of them uh, significant events that happen every year, and they just so happen to be all combined for this game. Homecoming, you know, big uh, school district uh, high school event that happens every year. Uh, had a variety of, of, of students on the homecoming court and got to name the new king and queen. Then the annual pink out game where they sell shirts and raise money for breast cancer awareness. Uh, the, the team wore pink ribbons on the back of their helmets. I believe that was actually courtesy of the, the cheerleading squad. So we appreciate their contribution. And a lot of the players and coaches were wearing a variety of uh, pink apparel. And then also Athletic Hall of Fame night where nine former Wilson uh, athletes, coaches, administrators, per- people that have contributed contributed in a large fashion to Wilson athletics were inducted to the athletic Hall of Fame. It was it was a it was a good ceremony. It was nice to see eight of the nine individuals were able to make it back, and um, I'm trying. I, I can't remember all of them off the top of my head. I don't know if you can, Justin. Maybe if I put no, them. I can't name um, all of them, but I know I know some of them. Like the ones that uh, stick out to me were ones uh, one a few that were students since I've been teaching, right, which yeah. makes me feel old. A couple that I coached, which was kind of really that cool make to it, see. That really sets um, the tone, huh? Yeah, like I don't, get, and it also makes me feel old. But um, uh, I believe Nate Savoy was was inducted i i don't think he was able to be there yeah he, but, he was but nate savoy who he was I coached, inducted, not right i i was coached him for a couple years in water polo a great swimmer as well and went on and to swim at penn state and um uh danny krigler uh who i also coached in water polo and then went on to harvard and was a swimmer at harvard um, and talked about being like, you know, scholar all first team scholar all American yeah. at Harvard and stuff like that. That's just crazy. Um, but two like great guys, you know, like um, and I say that just in that I I have met and know some of the others, but those guys I know a little bit more. Well, right. Um, 
you know, through that relationship you get when, when you coach and stuff and just two great guys and great athletes, but you know, couldn't be happier for them. There's some other guys like Tyler Beck. I remember watching him play, mm-hmm. you know, so you get the football yep. guy in there, you get Nick Dragonette. I remember was an incredible wrestler. I think they mentioned he has the all time wins record at Wilson. Uh, Dr. Fredericks was the yeah superintendent when I went to Wilson, I believe. Um, yes. You know, so like yes. just some of those things, Kim Schaefer, who I don't, know real well but i know she was a student when i was teaching but her mom taught up until a year or two ago for a while yeah, long time at, at, at wilson just um you know lots of ties there i know a bunch of the kids i have in class were talking about uh coach baldino um you know from the girls soccer team they were talking about him and him being there and i know i think uh coach fick had the girls go to like the a the actual like ceremony they have like beforehand or something mm-hmm. to show up after maybe after practice, something like that. So all of those were just really cool. Like I said, I had more personal connection with a couple of them, but then um, there was also a cool name to see there. And I don't, I don't know him, <laughs> but I knew this ahead of time, right. but I didn't know um, like, I don't know him personally or anything, but Doug Ertz was, was elected as well. And um I think you mentioned right the, the most famous Ertz. Right? Yeah, the <laughs> most famous of all Ertz, Doug Ertz, um, incredible talent. I posted years ago, um, I guess what now, almost four years ago when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, right? Um, you know, leading up to the game between the Eagles and the Patriots, I posted about Zach Ertz, the Eagles tight end, current Eagles tight end, and he's been there what now eight. See eight seasons or something like that. It's yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's longer he's, than he's been there a while. Yeah, he's been there a while. I just and I posted. It actually forced me to go through and research the teams that Doug Ertz was on, and I posted that and, and on BulldogHour.com. Um, and then I thought I would have some fun on uh, Friday night posting about you know that Doug Ertz is clearly the most famous of the Ertz right, family. Right, right, right. Of course he is. You know, why wouldn't he be? He's a Wilson football player. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to uh, to tag Zach Ertz in <laughs> my post because I, I don't know how, how much contact they have. Or it's like, hey, you know, right. hey, Zach, I'm going and getting inducted into the high school hall of fame tonight. Right. Hey, I know oh, you okay. have a game this weekend. Right, but <laughs> right. Um, so it, it was fun because like as soon as I as soon as I posted it, Zach Hurts liked the tweet. <laughs> so go. I was like, oh, okay. He saw it. That's good. I hope he got to see the, and enjoy the pictures of his dad getting inducted to uh, the Wilson Hall of Fame. But yeah, you kind of mentioned it, but I'll do the run through. And if you're watching this stream live, I have uh, one of the pictures I took. Um, I know it's, you can't really see their faces, but um, eight of the nine uh, inductees were able to attend uh, Bob Baldino, Tyler Beck, Danny Krigler, Nick Dragonette, Doug Ertz, Dr. Lee T. Fredericks. Nate Savoy, who isn't pictured, uh, then Kimberly Schaefer and Scott Spatz. Like you said, you you knew about half of them. I would say I knew about half of them as well. I knew of them. Well, and that's one, like, I, so, like, I don't know Scott Spatz, like, directly, but, like, I've been to places a ton where he's been there. You know, like, I know, you know, being around the baseball team. His son was on the baseball Mm -hmm. team the last couple years. And, And because he's, well... And this would make sense since he's going into the Athletic Hall of Fame. Just his involvement in Wilson sports over the years, like we we've been in the same areas and working on some of the same things for a long time. So, like, you know, yep. Well, yeah. But it, it's a, it, it it's an awesome time to just recognize 
Um, and like you said, it's kind of like the spectrum. You have like the standout athletes. You have like people who have just been coaches for a, a real long time. You have Dr. Fredericks who like through other means that not many people get that perspective, but got the support and, you know, help build foundations for the way the programs exist right now. You know, just those types of things are, are, it, it's cool to recognize that and for them to get the recognition, um, not just from the school, but also at, at a big event, like the homecoming game. Like, you know, I know it just worked out that way this year, but that that's kind of cool. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I know, uh, Scott's bats, uh, he's actually uh, one of the frequent customer at the sandwich shop. Hey, and I know go. him through Westlawn Owls and I was first right. introduced to him from well, coaching at central yep. and, you know, um, but all, 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 uh, nine inductees, um, very deserving of the honor huge long list of accomplishments. you heard pa announcer kevin Venino just going yeah, on forever yeah. about each of them because they all had done so much while they're at wilson as student athletes or coaches administrators uh, and beyond so congratulations again to those nine individuals making up the class inducted to the wilson athletic hall of fame which i believe it mentioned that dr lee fredericks was one of the guys that spearheaded creating the athletic hall of fame I think how I appropriate that. So, how appropriate yeah i think that makes a makes a lot of sense so congratulations to them again so three huge things there to mention from the game friday night another one as you all probably noticed uh if you're used to seeing wilson wear red and white that wasn't the only colors you saw from the bulldogs on friday night as wilson was selected to wear uniforms camo uniforms supporting and representing the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. The program was approached and um, Coach Doms put it, you know, kind of put it up to the players to decide. And of course they jumped on that opportunity because why wouldn't you? Right. It's uh, not something that every team across the state gets to do, you know, just. It was cool. It was cool hearing the players talk about it too. Yeah. And we'll get to that. We do ask them that in the interview. We do have an interview with the players coming up and hopefully I got all the kinks worked out (laughs) after last week. Although supposedly it went out over the air live. Um, which is good, but I could not hear it here in the studio, but I think I fixed it. Uh, but if you are watching, you can see one set of pictures from the game. Very cool to see the guys rocking that. And I actually had the opportunity the night before to kind of do sort of a jersey reveal. I had teased it on Wednesday, Thursday. I got to photograph, uh, I think it was seven senior players with their the full ensemble on at Gursky Stadium by the, the Gursky statue and at the gate entrance area just to kind of say, hey, this is what team's wearing Friday night. So come out and, and watch and see something different. And then you can see them in action there with those pictures against McCaskey from the game itself. So um, thank you to the Pennsylvania Army National Guard for, uh, for selecting Wilson to do that, to wear these this week. And uh, it was a cool event. Everyone enjoyed wearing them. I think everyone enjoyed seeing them. And it's nice to have something different here and there. I was approached pregame by Coach Ernie Walber to ask, you know, has he was quizzing me, has Wilson ever wore any colors but red and white on the football field? I think that, I think I know the answer. Uh, to this. Go ahead. I think go it's ahead. yes. I think it's yes. Didn't I think we talked about this the very first game or maybe that first season or something like that? Didn't we borrow uniforms from Yeah, someone? so back in nineteen forty five, and I believe you can sort of see this in the video right. that well, I posted. And that's, I know this because of you. <laughs> uh, you can see it in the video from Wilson's first season in nineteen forty five. And I off the top of my head I can't recall if it lasted past the first season. Right, right. But Wilson 
football, which at the time were the Wilson presidents, borrowed uniforms from a semi-pro team down in Gablesville. I believe they were the Gablesville Owls, I think. But they were orange and black. And they were the, the old school, like, you can't believe that they wore those to play football. How hot must they have been in wool uniforms playing in August, September, October. But yes, Wilson wore orange and black for at least that first season, borrowing uniforms from the semi-pro team in Gablesville. So it was, this was not the first time that Wilson wore jerseys other than anything red or white. Uh, but it was a long time ago, probably, since that happened. If yes. it, something else came up in the history, I'm guessing reach Col- out and let I'm me know. I'm guessing Coach Wolver knew this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't asked, asking. Yeah, no, he, no. Was, he was right, seeing yeah. it, it, if, if I knew. And um, yeah, I, I did. A- I knew he would know that. Like, of course <laughs> he would. Of course he knew that. So, a cool event. Very awesome that they got to participate in that. I've seen them hanging out there in the social media sphere over the last few years. And yeah. I always thought it was cool. Every now and then you'll see them pop up. But honestly, I was like, that'll never happen here. I just didn't think it's something <laughs> that, not because they wouldn't ask us, but right. I just didn't think, I wasn't sure that they would be like, yeah, let's do that. And So um, you're saying you weren't quite sure that the powers that be yes, would say, I, yeah, I, I sure. wasn't sh- sure. Um, I think I think the selling, not, not the, but I think a big thing is that it's not just like, oh, we'll put camo jerseys on. I think it's that it's, through the army national guard. And like, so there, there's like this established program and, you know, like, so I think like that goes a long way. It's not just like, Oh, we'll do this as a one-off thing. Like they have a track record of the, doing this with other schools and seeing how it worked. And, you know, cause there's a lot of logistics to like the football uniforms that people don't really understand. And yeah. we don't need to get into all of it. We'll, but we'll have to have, th- a there's a lot of it. That Coach goes, Bender on again. Right. Well, he's got program. it down to a science. So we can, we can say that. Like, I, but, I said, I think I said this to you, uh, but I said, I, I would love if the PA army national guard or anyone that wants to do this, oh, yeah. you know, put, put it out there. Something, whether it's something similar, like the pink out, like do you, you wear breast cancer awareness, like right, right. pink uniforms. Cool. Like Penn state used to wear pink, pink uniforms have that set ahead of time and see right. if you could add right. even more. Like how cool would it have been to have Wilson wearing black pants with the camo right. and then also get camo bulldogs to have on the helmet. Now, would that have been a lot of work? Yeah, absolutely. And the big selling point for this is it doesn't cost the team, the school, anything to do this because right. the right. national guard takes care of the uniforms and laundering the uniforms, the shipping of the, like the school does nothing. Right. They literally just have to wear the uniform. They just wear it and and promote and support the national guard in a a simple fashion. And the kids, they like that stuff. You know, we see, we talk about Jersey reveals and, you know, look good, feel good, play good. And you know, it's, it's fun. And I'm glad the team got to do it and have a lot of fun. So it was, it was funny when this topic first like came up to you. I love that the conversation started with, I don't know if you're really into this type of thing when he was talking about uniforms and like uniform reveals and, and I just started laughing because I'm like, don't know if he's into this. This is absolutely his thing. Like, oh man. 100%. Yes. Yeah. I was all in as soon as he, as soon as uh, coach Bender brought it up. So, I mean, he, he and I have been working a lot behind the scenes just to, uh, to mix things up a bit. He's the one that I talked to about um, 
well, almost three years ago now, in the winter leading up to the 75th season celebration in 2019, about the helmet. I took him, literally took him a prototype helmet that I made to say, hey, wouldn't it be cool to do this since we're doing the 75th season celebration? And in the end, that's what happened. And then they actually took it a step farther last year where they put the retro W football on both sides of the helmet. Yeah. So that was that was that was pretty cool. So um, there's always stuff in the works, and it takes time to take care of this stuff when when you're doing it. When an outside force like the National Guard is in control of it, it can come together pretty quickly. <laughs> but if you're talking about the team itself with helmets and and jerseys, it, it takes a year or more to get all that stuff done. So, all right. So let's get to the football at hand and recap the game against. Lancaster McCaskey coming to Gursky Stadium. We all remember the uh, interesting developments last year in Lancaster with not allowing the entire team on the field. Yeah, half the team had to wait outside. Thankfully, we didn't have to deal with any of that this year in the Lancaster game. But it seems like every year when we go there, there's uh, just interesting things that come up. Yes, like <laughs> absolutely. It's, uh, that that yes. is not lost on anyone, I no, think, no. especially especially us who have been in the thick of it uh, every time we go down there. Right. But this game itself wasn't without its uh, interesting developments and drama, at least for the first quarter. Well, and the way the game started, it just, it reminded me of many times when we go to McCaskey and it's just, you think, you know, mm-hmm. like what's going to happen. We, we've already, this is already, this topic's come up a couple times in this show already. You think, you know how something's going to go and it, doesn't exactly go according to plan and it's not to say this game didn't work out in the end but it's just it's just different it's just different so i have the highlights up but apparently the game recap and again i don't know who puts this together if it's huddle generated or what because it might be we're starting here with wilson's already up 34 to 6 right, right. Um, we just saw the big touchdown pass from brad to Jaden, 50 yards that was an ec- excellent play and that'll come up more here uh here's a brad scramble um, Wilson scored three times in the last like minute 30, I think of the first, first half. Yes. Well, they scored to go up 35 right. and, and then, then, and then immediately McC- McCaskey scored. And who scored? Shamir Covington, who yeah. we talked about yeah. last week yep. because their only touchdown, was it against Hempfield? Okay. He's had like an 81 yard touchdown and he, well, and uh, when he got Wilson. to the line, man, he flew. Yeah. He, incredible athlete. Very, very good. I player. know. I know it's crazy because like. The way it ended up and like in the second half and everything, like and even honestly in, in parts of the third or second quarter, but like for the first half, like oh, we're starting at the beginning. Here, now? I, don't, I know. don't know. What's but like, going on here? But it says it's the third quarter as well. Yeah. So like, I don't know. Um, I think pretty sure that was the same play we just watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like they, 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 like it did feel like. Oh, we're, somehow we also are up 61 points. Yeah. The final score is 59 to 12. Yeah, somehow we lost <laughs> we lost two points. But um like it just felt like this McCaskey team was Incorrect. a little different than than in years past. Um again, I know it's not I know the result and things, but um you know, it it, it is what it is kind of to an extent and um you know, early on it was you know, not exactly how I think uh, people had maybe thought that the night would unfold, but um, as as it went on, um, Wilson kind of got things rolling and and was able to take care of business. Um, again, maybe not 
well, I not maybe. I, I know it wasn't the start they were they were looking for, right. but um, to kind of regroup from that and not let it become a a night long struggle, um, you know, is is good. Like, obviously, it didn't start how you wanted to, but you handled your business and you and you took care of business eventually, and you were able to get things going then. So, while not ideal, um, you kind of just moved on within the game. I think that shows signs of of a team that's hopefully kind of moving in the right direction where, you know, they didn't let one thing compound and make it worse into, into others. And they just kind of regrouped and, and honestly, it didn't take them till the second half to regroup that, that's, that was, I'm going to say my worry, but I started thinking that as you know, the first quarter's going on, I'm like, Oh man, are we going to have to like limp into halftime? And then right. is this going to be one of those? And I know you've referenced this before. I think it was at Warwick. There's a long time ago now, how like uh, coach Dom's um, woke everyone up, let's say, at, at halftime and um yeah that was the, almost a decade ago right now. right and and the second half was very different um i was just wondering is this going to have to be one of those type of things and then it it didn't take that long you know and and that was something i was glad to see that in the second half they were able to kind of or second quarter they were able to get things going yeah i mean not just going but going in a huge way 40 points in the quarter yeah yeah which is insane that is absolutely insane i don't have score breakdowns i mean i guess technically once i have every game write up completed on bulldog hour i could look into this but is that the most points scored in a quarter ever by a wilson team it's got it has to be close well the most points scored ever by a wilson team i believe is 68 68 points i do not know 68 or 60 it's high 60s they've never gotten into the 70s uh, it's 68 or 69 points. I mean, that's that's only four touchdowns more than what they scored in the half for an entire game. So having a 40-point right. qu- quarter is really hard to I do. I feel like there are some games where I know we've been in the 30s Yeah, oh, before. for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, At 28, I'm sure many times, probably, you know, th- 35 a few times. But getting into 40 for a quarter, that's, that's, that's tough to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's really tough to do. So... Weren't, weren't losing after the, at the end of the first quarter, but it was close. They scored with, what, seven seconds left. Yeah. Wilson scored with seven seconds left in the first quarter to take a 7-6 to six lead. That six points scored by McCaskey first was on a big play, a 51-yard pass um, to Ruben Pabone. But Wilson uh, came back on the next drive and was able to get a Jaden Jones touchdown and the Ben Rada extra point to lead 7-6. to six. Uh, And then Wilson would score quickly multiple times and it would be Jaden Jones again then Cameron Jones on a punt return and immediately after I tweeted that out Paul Roberts retweeted or quote tweeted and was like why do teams keep kicking anything near him and before I could see it I think they had punted to him again they had and, and he, he ran returned it to like it to the, the five yeah like yeah, yeah. It, I, you know I'm at uh, Willie Copeland was saying asking me he's like now what are you doing on Friday nights well taking the pictures and then I'm downloading the pictures to my phone and then I'm editing the pictures and putting the watermark on and tweeting them out, putting them on Instagram and Facebook. But when you score this quickly, I, I can't keep up. Like I literally <laughs> cannot keep going. So obviously capturing the photos is more important than getting them out there, but then I get behind. So by the time I had tweeted out the touchdown for Cam on the punt return, he had returned the next one to the six and I didn't have time to send pictures out of that. So I just commented to Paul and was just like, the next one he took to the six, like they <laughs> yeah. kicked to it to him again, and right. he nearly. Well, and the thing is one. too, like, and I think this was maybe to their detriment. They were getting good punts off, 
like they were getting good punts. Yeah, like, which probably was distance. bad. Right. They might have been better off punting at like 20 yards. And like, out of bounds. At, right, right. Because they were kicking it probably 35-ish, 40 yards. May, uh, it's hard to judge, but like, but they were they were low, yeah. and they're usually going to bounce. And he, man, whew. I know. It, it, and he made him pay. Hey, that's, that's okay, though. Like, I'm okay with, with teams doing that. I, yeah, please yeah, keep, keep doing kicking it, please. it to him. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Keep yeah. keep doing that. I don't think uh, they will the next three weeks. I would think teams will have Gonna learned the lesson on the by limb, now. But you never know. But know. Um, so Cam has four return touchdowns on the year, one kickoff and three punt. The single season record is four by Jimmy Brooks in 2012. Okay. So that's uh, that's the goal. I feel like. I feel like Mason was really close on a number of returns. I don't know if it was junior year or mm-hmm. senior year. And he had like, a few, right. two or three. But I, I meant like, I feel like he had a bunch that were like, like the one where Cam where he went out at the six. Or, or he like, had them called back. Oh, because yeah, of you're, you're right, you're right. Yeah. But I remember, man, Mason, yep. he would fly. Excellent, excellent yep. return man as well. Uh, so after Cam's touchdown put Wilson up, I think it was 19 to six, uh, Wilson got the ball back, drove down the field, uh, and Brad Hoffman connected with TJ Flight. Uh, and then it had a beautiful two-point play to freshman tight end Brady yes. Klein. Uh, Wilson gets the ball back again, and Hoffman kept that one then for the touchdown. He ran it in from the one. Um, 34-6, to six, got the ball back again. And Jaden Jones, we saw this in the highlights, got that beautiful pass from brad down the right sideline and uh, we have a pretty funny part of the interview coming up with uh, brad referencing Jaden's touchdown right there um then we thought all right good we're up now what is it 41 to 6 we got 35 points mercy rule there's like a minute left or something like that yeah and then shamir covington 51 yard (laughs) scores 41 to 12 um but with 22 seconds but I think left. They, I think they kicked it to Cam, and he ran it out to, like, the 50. Yeah, he like, ran it out re- really, really far, and the Wilson offense went to work, and literally the last play of the half, Brad Hoffman found freshman tight end Brady Klein for his first touchdown. Uh, he's had a few two-point conversions, but Brady got his first touchdown, so congratulations to him. Did, well, never mind, never mind. And Wilson went in, up into the half 47-12. to 12. And they started out the second half and had put um, backups and reserves in there, get a lot of yeah. playing time for for seniors and uh, eventually the JV players. But um, they with, kept it going with still with a, a good uh, healthy mix of, of starters and, and and seniors in. Jason Beckford breaks and a oh, man. beautiful, beautiful yeah. fifty-six yard touchdown run where he made multiple people miss right uh, and, then and just that, beat people to the yep, end zone and showed his speed. Uh, and that put Wilson up 53 to 12. And then finally, uh, Tom Hunsaker, one of the sophomore quarterbacks, had a, a really nifty oh, run 25 yards out to put Wilson up 59 to 12. And that was in the third quarter with a few minutes left. So I thought with the way the Wilson um, JV offense was performing, that Wilson could be getting into the 60s and yeah, pushing towards I was, the 70s. I was, I was wondering if we were going to get there. Um, and and that, I, I don't, I don't want to see that as a disrespectful thing to no. the opponent. I, I like new records and stuff, but like the points one is always, that's a very touchy subject. So right. I was wondering especially, if it was going to happen. Like, it's not like, it's not like we were winning like 50 something to 40 something. Right. You know, like that's different. <laughs> yeah. Like um, this isn't the big 12. 
But, you know, the, the clock's running, so it right. is what it is. But uh, it was all in all, other, the first quarter was a little slow, and I don't, the refs were just really weird that first quarter. Like, I did not understand a few of their calls, and I think the coaching staff agreed. Yeah. One of them, I think, was it on an illegal shift or illegal motion or offside. Something early, like I think the first play of a game. Yeah. There was – and then there was a, a delay of game that then the ref said that it was his fault or something. I, I right. didn't understand but then, what he was but saying. But then like part of what was making the second quarter take so long was they wouldn't put the ball in play. Yeah. Like and that rule changed a couple years ago where it's supposed to like be put into play right away. Like because I distinctly remember – talking to coach Doms about a couple of the rule changes and that being one of them. And he's like, I'm worried that he's like, cause he's like some of, sometimes he's like, I don't know that they'll be able to get down there and get it spotted in time for the play clock to be started when it's supposed to. And I feel like, I feel like that hadn't been an issue for years. And then it was on, fr- on Friday night. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's one way to put it for yeah. sure. Also a hold. On a wide receiver who now, was now, being interfered, <laughs> right now, if like I I couldn't really see it from where I was at. If you call pass interference, like it could be wrong, but like to me that that's a call that would at least make sense in that situation. Does that make sense? Like yeah. not saying it would have been the right call, but I don't believe holding would have been the right call. And I know he's like, oh, it was before the ball was in the air. No. Well, then what? how did it take you so long to throw that flag? Right. But, I just – Like, yeah, it just didn't really make sense. Weird. Like, I, I don't understand how it was holding. It, it could have been something, but but again, I don't I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it was just it was just odd. Thankfully, um, things calmed down after that first quarter. Oh, yeah, yeah. For and, the refs and for Wilson. Right. And things kind of righted the ship, and the game became what we had hoped it would, uh, you know, a relatively simple, easy win, and I don't think there were any – injuries anything to uh you know be scared about for the weeks ahead i think wilson right. came out healthy right. so all, all all was well for for the most part um but statistically speaking wilson at 18 first downs to mccaskey seven uh 367 net rushing yards uh, on 28 carries 112 passing yards so wilson put up nearly 500 yards of offense uh, McCaskey got up to 190, but again, uh, what 102 of that was on two plays. So yeah. a couple big plays for them, but other than that, not a lot else. Um, Wilson returned five punts for 146 yards. That's a great, great average. Yeah. Um, well, Wilson had the one interception, uh, threw two interceptions, didn't have to punt at all. Uh, no fumbles in the game. Penalties fairly even. McCaskey actually had the ball for nearly seven minutes more than Wilson did. Um, here, here's one very important, sometimes overlooked, but four of six on third down. So it's huge. Clicking right there, looking good, and five of six in the red zone. Uh, and Wilson also had three sacks and did not get sacked at all. So all Dang. that kind of – you give those stats out and you're probably thinking, yeah, this team is going to win big, and that's exactly – what happened? Uh, just quickly, some individual statistics. Um, Jason Beckford, the leading rusher, 87 yards net. Uh, he had the long touchdown around 56 yards. Uh, Brad Hoffman actually next with 83 rushing yards and a score. Tom Hunsaker in third, 68 yards and a touchdown. And then Jaden Jones, nine rushes for 65 y- yards and two scores on the ground. Cameron Jones, not just a play. 
maker on defense and special teams also getting one carry in offense that went for 43 yards. Uh, Brad Hoffman completed five of eight passes for 112 yards and three touchdowns, including that long 50-yarder to Jaden Jones. That was his only reception for Jones. Sean Dendel had a catch for 10 yards and TJ Flight two for 44 and the score. So we see TJ back in the end zone after his two touchdown performance last weekend. Uh, defensively speaking, uh, player of the game for that side of the ball probably would have been TJ Flight with his three tackles, two of them for loss and a pass breakup. It was nice to see the return of Josh Drake at safety, his first game since uh, he went out injured at the beginning of the Exeter contest. Uh, he contributed three and a half total tackles. Um, the sacks were by Eli Rodriguez, Isaiah Cassius, and a half each from Jaden Garcia and Quinn Hatch. So all around, really good, strong team effort. And I know post-game, Coach Doms was incredibly happy and impressed with the way the backups in the JV yeah. played against McCaskey's varsity team. They um, they played very, very well, both on offense and defense. It wasn't these, you know, three and outs all the time as we're accustomed to seeing once uh, once you give some of the younger players an opportunity to play. They were there to play, scored a few touchdowns, defense made a well few too. defensive stops. So, yes, Coach Dom's very happy about that because I know you and I have been there post-game where – the, those younger guys right, you hear up like, a few oh, we can't you know we can't you know let up when we yeah we've heard that speech how many times but that wasn't the case friday night no so congratulations to a full team effort friday evening so now our player of the game again really tough and as justin and i have said multiple times this year basically every week it could go to one or both of the jones brothers and yeah, again, like Jaden. well and then uh, think the crazy touchdowns, thing cam Jaden didn't have as many rushing yards but like part of that's because cam kept returning it deeper into the dare like, yeah uh and they they worked on the passing game a little bit right. here Jaden got a pass right. a reception touchdown a yeah, great receiving touchdowns. touchdown cam at the punt return touchdown so yeah not to overlook what cam and Jaden did by any means um but a couple weeks ago or a couple times this year we thought that this guy could maybe get player of the game and we may have overlooked or passed him up for something else for whatever reason uh, th- there's no rhyme or reason to what we do here on the show. I mean, you guys should know that by now. We've yeah, I'm sure they've picked up on that. We're, we're well aware. So we just kind of put our heads together and, and and say, this is just what we're feeling. And what we're feeling this week is we're going to give this one to senior quarterback Brad Hoffman. Uh, he had three passing touchdowns, all well and good. Uh, he also had the one on the ground. Uh, was this, I believe it was the second leading rusher. Um, but I think overcoming the slow start was what was best from him. He didn't get discouraged after throwing the early interceptions. He came back and played really well. And um, for that reason, we're going to give him the player of the game award for the victory against McCaskey. So great game from a variety of Bulldogs. But Brad Hoffman gets the call this week. So before we move on and finish up with our Cedar Crest preview, Let's take a listen to interviews done with four of our Wilson players following the game against McCaskey Friday night. All right, we're joined post-game now with a few of the players after Wilson's victory over McCaskey, 59-12. Guys, a big offensive output, but things started a little slow. Uh, what was it like in the first quarter? You know, what were the issues going on? Tell us what happened those first 12 minutes. Uh, yeah, we don't know. Stuff happens. <laughs> we weren't really worried on defense. We knew that we were just going to 
dominate them. So mm. we just kept going with the flow. We knew that our offense would eventually come with the swing as it did. Offensively early, we had two mistakes. You know, I don't think that personally was the two picks, but uh, we just had to get it back. Were you guys and... sorry? No, were good. you guys confused at all by what the refs were or weren't doing a few times early in the game? Um, there were some confusing calls, like uh, they called holding on TJ's catch, but it, it doesn't make sense because if he's going for the ball, how is he holding the defender? Yeah. But I. That's one of a few that yeah. Justin and I were just kind of texting and wondering what was going on. Things settled down, you know, 7 6 after the first quarter, not exactly what everyone expected, but then explosion in the second quarter. Um, what was the big difference from the first to the second? What, what happened? What opened up? What changed? Uh, we just we told ourselves to pick it up, and uh, we just changed our whole attitude after that. I know I didn't play yeah. offense this game, but our O line started to dominate. Our defense um, kept doing what they were doing. Our defense played well all game. I made a mistake early on. I'll take that on me. We played a fairly solid game overall, besides two plays. And Josh, what did it feel like to be back on the field after oh, missing the last great. few weeks? Missing like three in like three quarters of a game. You know, it stinks. Um, I've been playing here my whole life. I love playing with my friends, and it was great to be back on the field tonight. E Eli, what did it feel like uh, in there? in the trenches tonight. Are you guys, uh, like you said, like Josh said, defense really turned it up a notch and started flying around. Um, what's it like to play with uh, Memo? Oh, it's amazing. Man, he's, he's like, man, he's like, uh, he's like an energy. The energy thing is crazy. Uh, he's, he's like very supportive. Like, I love him. I just love him, man. <laughs> So great, great second quarter, uh, great end of the first half. Brad ended up with three touchdown passes. Walk us through the last one you had to Jaden. You were back there <laughs> scrambling like a wild man, yeah. and you just saw him streaking down the sideline. Well, I pretty much just you know scrambled, rolled out to my right, and I was gonna run the ball and then maybe pitch it to Cam, but I saw Jaden had the leverage on the corner. And it's like an inside joke because Jaden doesn't really catch those. <laughs> even though I'm going to be honest, he doesn't really get them. And, I mean, he bossed the kid and threw him off of him. That, it was amazing. That was a great highlight on his part. Yeah, it was good all around. I hope someone got that on video because I know people were really, uh, really excited to see that one go down. So, John, how do you think the team responded um, last week, this week, after a disappointing non-league slate that saw you guys under 500 for a bit? You know, like going in, we knew like we had a lot of confidence. We knew that our the field was tough. Now we were playing like some really good teams, but you know, we knew like no matter what happened, we couldn't lose it and get off track. So two and three—that's not really where anyone wants to be, especially a program like us. So we just had to come together, like I said last week, and you know, lose our egos. Just everyone play for the guy next to you, and you know, our leadership had to be better too. And that's all me. So I think we're, uh, we're rolling now, and the one and no mentality is really good. That's right. That's well, we like to hear that. Now, there was a lot going on tonight, a lot of external distractions, homecoming, yeah. pink out, crazy stuff. But I know you guys uh, were excited all week about these uniforms you've got on. Uh, tell us, how did that come about? What did Coach Dom say to you? Did he offer you the opportunity? You know, What was it all about? Well, he pretty much presented, you know, the opportunity to us saying, you know, do you guys want to wear these jerseys, you know, represent our troops? And we say, yeah, of course we do. And, I mean, they're nice. I mean, it's They've well. grown on me personally. I mean, At first, I'm yeah. like, I don't know, but oh, now that I'm wearing them, I love them. Terrible. 
took like three people to get it on me. I'm not even there. It's like a dress Exactly. They're tight, huh? They're form fitting. They look good. They look good. I mean, they're loose on me. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us here. Uh, good luck in your preparation for Cedar Crest and that one and no mentality. Get another one at Lebanon next week. Get your record uh, up there to five and three against the Falcons, possibly next Friday night. And, uh, you know, onwards to that undefeated run in section play. So, congratulations on the victory. Good luck next week. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, that was our interview with, uh, with the guys after the game, the victory. Um, you know, honest. Forthright up front. I think it was good to hear them talk yeah, about some I, of the issues they had at the beginning and maybe, you know, so far this season and also about uh, what it meant to wear those uh, National Guard uniforms. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that stood out to me, and, and I mentioned this to you, was, you know, we've heard from Coach and from some of the players, um, you know, about um, increased accountability at various points this season uh, through the, some of the ups and downs. And uh, – I feel like that was kind of reflected in in their responses to some of the questions. Um, yeah, the game didn't start how we wanted to, and a couple of the guys owned it. You know, like they they were just like I, I say, a couple of guys. I, I felt like the guys owned it. Um, you know, they were pretty much like, yeah, that's my mistake. But like they didn't let that, and we we mentioned this. They didn't let it like drag on and drag on and drag on. No, they they you know collected themselves and played better. And that's literally all you can expect, like ask, like, would it be great to go out there and be perfect? Absolutely. But like, that's, that's probably not going to happen. So what you have to do is ride the lows, like ride it out, get back and, and don't make the same mistake, you know, like get better and, and be better the next time that for the next play, take it one play at a time. Um, I sent you, we were talking about uniforms earlier. I sent you that one helmet and like yeah. on the back where, you know, sometimes they have the different messages. It says, do your job. And yes. I'm like, we talk about it all, all the, time, the time, but like, just, you know, do your job. And the guys, I feel like did that like late first quarter into the second quarter. And then, um, they, they talked about it at post game, just, you know, getting it together and playing better. Like that's the only way you, you, you know, you want to move past those mistakes. The only way to move past those mistakes is to play better. And they, and they did. And so, you know what, look at those, figure out how, what went wrong and use that to help you get ready for this week as we get ready for Cedar Crest. Yeah. And this week on the road again, traveling to Lebanon to take on Cedar Crest and the Falcons were not expected to be a, a threat in the Section 1 race. They got off to a 2-0 start, uh, shutout victory over Lebanon, 38 to nothing, and the Cedars are really struggling they this year. maybe struggling I more than think, any team in LL League. Yeah, year. I think, yeah, they have not yet won a game. Um, they more often than not struggle to score points. Uh, they've been shut out four times yeah. uh, this season, including this past week. At yeah, and Spot. one other game had six points. Right, so... Um, against McCaskey. Yeah, they they lost to McCaskey 60 to 6. Um they lost to Octorora 54 nothing. So yeah, Lebanon definitely struggling. Cedarcrest got them 38 nothing in week 1. The Falcons also got to beat Gettysburg, who's having a strong year in 5A um and is a possible playoff team. They beat them 52 to 14. 
Uh, Cedar Crest did go on the road then to the mid pen to take on Carlisle, and they got shut out by Carlisle 45 nothing. So this was the start of a three-game losing streak for Cedar Crest, um, including a loss to Elizabethtown 13-12 to before a big blowout loss at Mannheim Township in Neffsville 42-7. to But they were able to end that three-game losing streak in surprise fashion in Landisville Friday night beating Hemfield 20 to 13. And Justin, you mentioned it at the top of the show. This is just every week there's at least one game, right, that shows that so you don't they, know what's going to happen. They, did they lose a game too on the 17th in November? I'm guessing. I'm cuz I see them as like 3 and 3 there, right? Oh, you know what? They didn't get to play a week. Right, right. So they lost they, the game. Yes, you're, they're they're missing a game. Yes, okay. so they're they're three and three. Their game on the seventeenth, which I do not recall who that was supposed to be against. They they missed a game. They okay. had they had an off week, and I don't know if that was something going on with them or their opponent. Right. But right. Cedar Crest did not okay. play the week of uh, Friday, September seventeenth. So they are three and three at this point. But the win. Against Hempfield and on the road, too. By the way, and this, we talked about that Hempfield thing. I know we'll talk more about them next week and whatever that show looks like, but remember, Hempfield beat Exeter. Yes. Like, so Hempfield beat Exeter. Hempfield loses to Cedar Crest. Cedar Crest, you know, but like, I, hey. I just, so don't try to understand it. It doesn't make sense this no. year. It really the only thing it. you can do is be ready for the game on Friday night to handle your business, yeah. knowing that if you're not ready to play, this team is good enough to beat you. Like that that's how you have to look at it. You heard one of this season's captains, John Ramsey, talk about bring in the James Franklin. And it's not just a Penn State thing. It's just they he's been sending that out, tweeting that social media want to know week by week. We hear it from the coaches and the players every year because the coaches tell the players every year, you take it one week at a time. Do not look ahead and do not continue to look back at, at your victories. It only matters what's coming up right here and right now. And that should be a huge wake-up call for the team entering the Cedar Crest week because we knew looking at it that we thought that these three games leading up to Hempfield Township should be relatively easy games if you're focused and you're ready to go, them beating Hempfield should be an immediate bell ringing that you cannot take this game for granted and think that you're just going to go to Lebanon and beat Cedar Crest. So just real quick, I'm seeing it over your shoulder. The game they lost was the Mifflin game. They yes. lost the Mifflin game and Mifflin picked up Harrisburg. Mifflin picked up Harrisburg, right. right. Um, um, sorry, not to like, get sidetracked, but that's what that game was. Yeah, so... so and, the 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 dates may have been messed up on that schedule because that the Mifflin game was supposed to be week three, September tenth, according to this one. The Carlisle game was supposed to be the seventeenth. So oh, okay, no okay. matter what, they didn't get to play Mifflin, and that would have been something. Um, as yeah. we saw, Mifflin absolutely manhandle Exeter this past week. Um, I can only imagine what they would have done to to Cedar Crest. Um, but again, I guess hey, any given Friday. It, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. You never know. But to be honest, with, with Mifflin right now, you kind of feel like you I, know. I, Yeah. I mean, I went on uh, Mike Drago's podcast last week. You know, I didn't want to come out and guarantee a Mifflin victory, but I feel like I basically did because there was no way in my mind that I thought Exeter I mean, had a chance. Right. And listen, it's an Exeter team that, that took it to 
took it to us and we and we dissected that enough we don't need to re oh, we could do an entire that. podcast on that game if we really wanted to but at the same time like that mifflin team i mean they've they've just they've got it together right now so yeah. um yeah, we'll we'll see. But um back to Cedar Crest. Yes. Um yes. Rob Dassin's in his eighth season as head coach. He's thirty-six and thirty-four um entering this year. Last year Cedar Crest struggled a bit, two and five overall. Uh Wilson got the best of them. And I should have I should have pulled this up, but I think all time Wilson is I want to say like forty seven, four and one or something okay. like that. Um all time against Cedar Crest, and it comes up every year. I know it's like beating a dead horse. I was on teams, two teams that lost two of those right, four right. games. So um, that was at the, the peak of what Cedar Crest apparently could be um, in 2000 and 2001. Great, great yeah, multiple teams. power five D1 players will uh, do that for your roster. Yeah. So. Uh, a few years prior to that, I want to say. Was it ni- maybe 95, some, somewhere around there, mid-90s, was another one of Wilson's loss to Cedar Crest, and that actually happened in the playoffs, and it was just two weeks after Wilson beat Cedar Crest in the regular mm. season. Uh, so Wilson lost one of the matchups to the Falcons in the playoffs, um, and then Wilson lost back-to-back years to the Falcons in 2000 and 2001. The 2001 was a shutout loss, which I believe was the last time Wilson was ever shut out was that that game in 2001. So I believe it's been 20 years since Wilson's been shut out, at least at home. That was because that game was at Gursky. So by and large, Wilson always gets the better of Cedar Crest more often than not. Uh, But this is a big one. If you want any shot at the second season, making that playoffs and winning back-to-back section championships, you got to win this week and you got to go on the road to do it. Um, According to Jeff Reiner, Lancaster newspaper, uh, LancasterOnline.com, the uh, Falcons are running spread zone read, and defensively they sit in a 4-3. They do not bring back their quarterback, but they are returning their running back, and he's a good one. He's now a three-year starter both ways, running back linebacker Aiden Richards, who I said had a big game against Hempfield last week. Um, they also return their best receiver in Ethan Heisey. And their quarterback, um, they're replacing Chris Dans, but Jay Huber is the guy, uh, and he he played some last year, so he has some experience, and now we're a few games into the season, so he's ready to go. Uh, They do bring back a lot overall, though. Um, Nine out of 11 on offense, the the two that they're missing – um, one is a quarterback and the other is the offensive an offensive lineman. Um, Aiden Richards at his linebacker spot is also flanked by another great one, Trayvon Zerby. So those are names to look out for. Richards and Zerby um, could cause some issues for the Wilson offensive line and running backs, uh, Gavin Leonard, Jaden Jones, and Jason Beckford. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, definitely. And, eyebrow raising result when that final score came in i believe you pointed that out to me too yeah well i you know usually late on fridays um especially if wilson wins i feel like we're more apt to uh talking about results around you know the league district maybe even state um you know just through text late on on friday and uh you know, we're scrolling through. We usually talk about the Columbia game, you know, if we see that score. Mm-hmm. Winner, Andy, winner. Andy was at that game. Yes. Yeah. And I, I that one has a special uh, place in my heart because they played Northern Lebanon, which is also a school I went to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, 
so we usually talk about that, but then I saw, I'm like, wait, Cedar Crest beat Hemfield. And then I it's like, wait, Cedar Crest beat Hemfield. And I sent it to you. And we're like, okay. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. That one, up. Uh, that's a, that one's a surprise. Got our attention. And that one will mess up my predicted power ratings. Now, right. I, I didn't update it after last week's set of games. I obviously have yet to do it after this week's set of games. So I'll hopefully be able to get to that some night this week and update it and then do my predictions and see how, with all these results in for two more weeks, what changes in terms of my uh, expectations for the power ratings. Now, I had said, um, I believe on the show last week, that I do not believe Wilson losing a game and going 6-4 and four gets the Bulldogs in the playoffs. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have to win out. So, so far, they're 2-0 and in those, those games that matter. They got this one against Cedar Crest, and then we'll talk about Hempfield and Township over the next uh, few weeks. But they, they've, they've done what they had to do so far, and hopefully they keep things going this week against Cedar Crest. Yeah, and, and that's all you can do is, is win your games and, and hope for the best. Um, you know, so you look at it and, hey, th- this team is obviously, um, Cedar Crest is good enough to make you pay if you're not ready to play. Um, you know, sitting there at three and three, and, you know, I'm sure they want to try and get to that four and three mark. Um, and they're going to be flying high after going on the road and yeah, beating and, and having Penfield. and having confidence that like they can get the job done. Yeah, I mean, you better be ready to go Friday night. So. Yeah, and they uh, they have some yeah, horses hopefully. that can get it done. Right, for them. and hopefully we can play more like we did in the second quarter and less like we did in the first quarter. You know, like and uh, be yep. ready to go from the start because uh, you don't want to find yourself, um, you know, against a team that. Like they're already flying high, like you said. You don't want to help build that confidence up in the first quarter. No, don't give them an edge at all. Don't give them any glimmer of hope. You know, fire off the ball from no. the first snap, the kick first off, kick, kick off, force a three and out. Let them punt the cam, and uh, <laughs> yeah, game and, over. Right, yeah, and then we'll take care of business from there. Yeah. So, I think that's about it. Any final thoughts? Anything else to say before we uh, head out of here? No, just uh, we we've seen some of those improvements from week to week, um, even within the games. So let's continue to work on those improvements for this week yeah and just a reminder i don't know what form or fashion the bulldog hour will take next weekend it'll probably be friday if it's happening at all it'll probably be relatively quick but it will be live and very raw from <laughs> earl Bolt stadium um you know we'll see if we can get an audience uh you know i know the, the, the teams want to want to get changed and get on the bus so i don't know if we'll be able to involve any coaches and players um in that but we'll, we'll see if we'll we get any we kind of crowd do. there yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll try to make it fun. Uh, and I apologize for not being able to do a normal show. Um, I'll try to remember to take notes to preview the game against Hempfield. So we already know we, we, we love the stats guys. We always get the stats oh right gosh, away. So the we'll best. have that. They're the best. Um, yeah. Good, great and you stuff. see that if you follow, if From you follow some of the media guys, they talk about, man, Wilson guys are the excellent. Best. Yep. yep. Stats and Joe, guys. take, take care of yep. everybody. Joe and Phil. Wonderful, wonderful, uh, guys for the, the Wilson program. So, um, but that's it. Thanks again to our sponsors, May Sandwich Shop, MikeDragosports.com, CNS Supply, Marty Palm, Andy Herr, and our three anonymous donors. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe uh, to all of our social media accounts, and uh, make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I don't know if we have any or not. I feel like uh, we should get a few. So if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. We'd love to have that. And always visit BulldogHour.com for 
pictures, history, and announcements for the Wilson football team. But until next time, he's Justin Raffoff. I'm Joe Mays. Thanks for listening. And remember, go Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.